Welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and today we have a great message for you. We're continuing our study through the book of Revelation, and we're in chapter 6 today. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter 6. If you don't, pause the podcast, run, get your Bible, come back and join us. Now, before we dive into the text, I want to remind you again that God himself is in the details of everything in his word. And if If we search his word, we will find the details and we'll see where God is involved in everything and where things matter if we will look it up. And the number five is the number of grace. It's like back in the the fifth chapter. Uh, And uh, we're going to find out here in the chapter six that the number six, well... Uh, Let's go ahead and look. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 through 31, God made beast and God made man in those, in the uh, sixth day uh, in creation back in Genesis. And so the number six has always been known as the number of man. And so man, beast, and Antichrist, six, six, six. Antichrist is a man trying to take the job of Christ, trying to take the job of God himself. So the, the sixth day has always been the day of man's dominion, the man of uh, or the the day that uh, man and beast was created, and and we're going to see that show up in Revelation chapter six. So starting in verse one, I'm in the King James version today, as always. And I, John, saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. We know according to the other chapters that I is John, and the Lamb is Jesus Christ, the one who was brutally murdered and and killed for for the sins and transgressions of mankind. It says I. See saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, I, John, heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts. Those beasts are not animals here on the earth. That's one of the four seraphims around the area of the throne room. He said, I heard one of those seraphims saying, come and see. And it says, and I saw and behold a white Horse. Now that that word white right there is the same word in the Greek as those radiant light emitting garments that's angelic garments that we've been speaking of that we ourselves will be wearing when we make it to heaven. And and it goes on to say, and he that sat upon that or he, he that occupied that horse that white horse, he had a bow. That word bow is the same bow that we're all familiar with to make war with or to kill with. And he says, and a crown. That word crown there is Stephanos. It means wreath crown of a champion, the same type of crown that we are going to be wearing when we get to heaven. And that all these things was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, I want you to look at this verse and think about what you already know Know about the Bible. Think about what you've already heard and messages that you've heard preached and scriptures about Jesus returning on a white horse and Jesus wearing a crown on his head and coming back to conquer those who were against him in Israel. And now I want you to look at this because in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 in the King James Version, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders in so as much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. 
Now, there are a couple things with this guy on this white horse that I want you to look at that's wrong with this picture. Remember, I've told you that the elect will not be deceived because we won't be here. The rapture of the church is taking place and we're not going to see this guy. The crown he is wearing is a Stephanos crown. It's the same type of crown that you and I will be wearing. The crown of Christ is, according to Revelation chapter 19, a diadema crown. This is the crown of royalty. So knowing that the crown is different, it tells you who he is. We have heard that the story, and listen about that the, the tribulation is going to be seven years long. And so after the marriage supper of the Lamb, Jesus will return to the earth as King of Kings and set his foot on the Mount of Olives and it will split and rivers will flow out of it from the east to the west and all of this stuff is after the tribulation. So the timing is all for one. And, and Jesus is also the one breaking the seals in heaven at the time uh, around the throne when all this is taking place. So we have the white horse just like Jesus is going to come back on, we have the occupier going into the earth to conquer, but it's the wrong timing. It's the wrong crown, and we, the saints of God, are not behind him. He's traveling out on his own. Listen, 2 Corinthians 11 and 14 says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Folks, this guy on the white horse is the Antichrist. He's the son of Satan who appears promising world peace but brings a global destruction upon this earth and he will he's going to force everybody that he can run into. Everybody on the earth is going to be forced to take his mark or they're going to be uh, killed brutally. They'll be murdered brutally and the Bible calls him the lawless one. He, his spirit is already in the earth running rampant right now. We see the things and the results of this guy getting ready to appear. The, the birthing pains are taking place and he will set up his image in Jerusalem and make a demand that everybody in the entire world worship him or die a horrible death. He's not going to do that right away. He's going to suck you in slowly and, and cause you to believe that he's the Messiah. He's going to come doing some miracles and, and doing some signs and wonders and making you believe that he is the Christ. But when you look at the scripture, when you truly study the Bible, and that's why 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says that we should study to show thyself approved, we need to know that, that this guy is not Jesus Christ because the crown's wrong, the timing's wrong. He don't have the saints of God with him. We need to know that that is not Jesus Christ. This is the, the this is Satan himself sending his man in as an angel of light to deceive the people. And look at verse number three. And when he, we're talking about Jesus, had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast, the second seraphim around the throne room say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. That word red is the Greek word puleros. It's, uh, it's pronounced uh, puleros. I believe I'm saying that right. Uh, it's Strong's G4450. It means having the color of fire. And power was given to him. This is the Greek word didomi, not dunamis. This is the word that is a limited authority that is granted from someone else with higher authority. And this guy was given power to him that sat on that horse to take peace from the earth. Now, this phrase is meaning that he can take away tranquility, take away the hope of salvation, take away the Messiah's peace. This horseman is coming to destroy all who may now cry out to Jesus for salvation. 
salvation and create havoc to keep anyone from thinking that God exists and, and they should kill one another. This, this next line here right here, that they should kill one another, they're going to be in fear and chaos and people will be killing each other. And, and he says, and there will be given unto him, this guy on the red horse, a great sword. And that, that sword isn't the same as the one that's in Jesus's mouth. This is the Greek word, makariha. Uh, I believe I'm saying that right. Please don't hold me to that. But it's Strong's G3162. You can look it up. It means a large knife for killing. It's the same word used in these three scriptures here, Matthew 10 and 34. Think not that I am come. This is Jesus speaking. Think not I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword, G3162. Matthew 26 and 47, he says, and while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the 12, came and with him a great multitude of swords, G3162, and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Matthew 26 and 51, and behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, G3162, and struck a servant of the high priest and smote his ear off. That's the same word that is used. This man is here on earth to take lives. He's here to kill. He's here to destroy people. He's here to kill people off and keep them from trusting in God, keep them from turning to Jesus and wreaking havoc and sending people to hell. Verse number five, let's pick up there. And when he had opened the third seal, this he is Jesus Christ. When Jesus, the lamb around the throne has opened the third seal, I, John, heard the third beast, that third seraphim say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black, this this horse is literally black and it says it's a black horse and he that sat upon him or occupied that horse had a pair of balances in his hand and that, that's a single word in the Greek. It's called the Zugos and Strong's G2218. It means a set of scales for measuring. So he's coming to measure out and, and to be uh, measuring up some things. So let's look in verse number six and see what it says. And, and I heard a voice, that, that voice is Christ. He's the one translating the information on the scroll. If you remember back on what we've already studied in the previous episodes in Revelation, you know that Jesus Christ was the only one worthy, the only one had the mindset and the ability to translate and tell you what was in the scroll. This is Jesus still reading here. I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. You know, this sounds like an awesome bargain Bargain when we start talking about we can get a measure of wheat for a penny, but a measure, this is the Greek word uh, choinix, it's Strong's G5518 and it means less than half a quart. It's a, it's a liter. So, now let's look at the word penny because it's the Greek word denarian and we've heard this in the Bible quite a bit. It's G1220. It means containing 10. It was the primary Roman silver coin at the time of the New Testament and its value was equal to the value of 10 donkeys. So in the parable of the laborers in the vineyard where Jesus was talking about getting workers from all throughout the day, everybody at the end of the day when the, when the work was done, everybody got a denarius for a day. Day's wages. 
If you compare that silver coin value to today and think of Romans having top pay and God the Father in the parable giving top pay to those who work in his vineyard, the pay could have been as high as $400 to $500 per day nowadays in now's time. So Jesus is reading the scroll handed to him from the Father and God is saying, cause starvation and poverty. So you look at this, it's saying you're going to get a, a measure of wheat for a penny. So I had a, uh, I've got a pastor friend of mine that used to say to me all the time that there's coming a time on this earth that you can have a wheelbarrow full of $100 bills and you can't get a handful of rice for it. And that's what's happening here. That denarian, a whole day's salary, a whole day's wages for a liter of wheat. You can't go anywhere with a liter of wheat. You can barely feed one person for that. Jesus is telling us that there's going to be starvation and poverty all over the earth. And God is saying here, he's specifically mentioning, don't hurt the oil or the wine. And the oil is something that's for heat. They, they burn it for heat. They burn oil for light. And so this Greek word for wine here, you would think that not don't destroy the wine, but the, the Greek word here is oinos. It's Strong's G3631. And it literally means the wine press. And that, that statement from the scroll, not to hurt the oil or the, or the wine press could be an indication to leave the wine press, which is the same press used to retrieve the oil from the olives. So the oil can continue to be harvested because they used the, the, the wine press to press the oils and to press the grapes. And, and so if you still have access to oil, you still have oil in your lamps, you still have a chance of seeing or having light. Light is needed in darkness to see the word of God and understand what is happening. And many will see God as their only hope during this time and turn to him, which is a primary reason for the tribulation period. We also know that uh, Oil is the indication. It's a representation of the spirit. So God's spiritual implication could be that uh, I want them to still have the chance to hear my word. I want them to still get a chance to be able to pull me in and understand me and realize that they can call out on me and still have a chance for salvation before this starvation kills them off. So look at verse number seven, because Jesus is opening the fourth seal here. And John says, I heard the voice of the fourth beast, that fourth seraphim say, come and see. And he says, I looked and behold a pale horse. Now that word pale right there is a Greek word that is chloros or chloros. It's Strong's G5515, and it literally means green or yellowish pale. That It's uh, verdant in the Latin, and that Latino word uh, verde, in the verde, in the Latino community, verde literally is the word for green. So the color is the same cover, color of a lifeless body, extremely sick from septus or blood and urine and stomach fluids as, and bile seeping into the outer body cavities, causing long, deep, drawn out, strenuous pain and excruciating death, slow and agonizing ways to die here. And his, and his name that sat on him as we 
we continue the verse here, was death and hell followed with him. So the death angel of destruction is working on behalf of God. Jesus is the one that broke the seal and sent him out, but hell is following along to receive the souls of those who still haven't turned to Christ through the tribulation period. Those people who still have hard heads and stiff necks and don't want to turn toward him even though they're dying these long, drawn out, excruciating deaths. Church, this is an awful way. It's an awful period of time on earth. It's, it's a forced eternity of death for millions of souls that's falling into hell left and right. And it goes on to say here that power, this is the didomy power and not the dunamis power. Power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. He's saying right here that this guy on this horse has got the power given to him to take away 25% of life on all the earth in one swipe, in one fatal trip around the earth. And he's saying here that, <coughs> that war will kill people. Hunger and starvation will kill people off. Death itself of multiple natural causes due to circumstances such as heart attacks, strokes, death out of heart stopping from great amounts of fear. Wild beasts, listen to this, wild beasts brutally tearing away at you while you try to flee, but they eat at you and feast on you while you're still alive and you're watching through the pain and agony, knowing that you can't escape them. You can't cry out for somebody's help to get them off of you and knowing that your death is certain and nothing can be done about it except giving up hope of living through all this. Listen, that is a terrible death to face, facing a bunch of wild animals chewing on you and eating you while you're alive and all you can do is lay there in agony and watch them kill you off and hope that you would hurry up and die and get out of the suffering and it's all to get people to cry out to Jesus the Messiah for salvation. Now look at the results of all this in verse number nine because it says, and when he, Jesus, had opened the fifth seal, he says, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain, those people that were brutally murdered by violence because of the word of God and for the testimony which they had had. He saw the people that had given their life to Christ during this tribulation period, during this first part. Now it's long, still long due. It's not over yet. But he says, I saw the souls under the altar, those who were slain on the earth for the word of God and for their testimony, for claiming that they believe in God and that they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they died because of it. Those who through great pain and agonizing death of tribulation cried out to Jesus right in the middle of all this and then they refused to take the mark from the Antichrist and refused to, to renounce the name of Jesus Christ. These people, their souls are now at the altar in front of the throne room of God. In verse number 10, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Their, their deaths were so excruciating and the reason for the death was believing in the Lord Jesus Christ that they're addressing and talking to right now. So they want to know when Jesus himself is going to dish out some payback for the evil activity still taking place on the earth. But I want you to look at how they were responded to in verse number 11 because verse number 11 and white 
robes, those same white, angelic, light-emitting, glorious robes that we will be wearing when those guys show up are put on them. It says they're given unto every single one of them, and it was said to them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants. Uh-oh, listen, look at this. Until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. This word rest, here's the Greek word anapao. It's Strong's G373. It means cease from any movement or labor and to keep quiet, stay calm, and have some patient expectation. Jesus is saying, you guys wait for just a period of time that I've allotted because there's a lot more people on earth that's turned to me and they too will be killed brutally just like you were and we're waiting on all of them to come home. Whether you like it or not, church, Jesus is still, even through the great tribulation, extending his hand of grace to everyone willing to take hold of it. Right down to the very last day of this seven years of turmoil, all who call upon his name in the time of trouble shall be saved. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. That's what he said. And listen to Psalms 46 and 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. He's still saving souls through the tribulation, but it comes at a terrible and painful agonizing price. Now, this 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 type of activity here, this, these deaths that's going on with these people that are becoming uh, Christians in the middle of the tribulation, it kind of seems like this. I died that, ex this is Jesus speaking here, saying, I died that excruciating, painful, and agonizing death for you so that you wouldn't have to die it. But since you didn't take me serious then and turn to me before now, you're now going to go through this death. You're, you're going to go through this agony that you could have avoided if you would have just accepted me earlier and, and would have went in my rapture when I took my church up. This is pretty much the loss of great reward that we spoke about in our discipleship class earlier and, and when we talked about losing rewards in heaven. So they don't get to um, avoid the death that was deserved by everybody, the one that we should all have received. They don't get to avoid that death that was their punishment for sin on the cross that Jesus took, and they're kind of having to go in through it themselves because of not accepting him up front when they had the opportunity. Jesus gives the, the opportunity. The Bible says that all will at least get one chance. So everybody on the earth will hear the word of God at least one time, and they'll get the opportunity to receive him. These people have turned him down. And that's why they are still on the earth. So they are not getting to avoid that, that awful death. And Christ's death that he died on the cross don't pay for their death and they, and it don't take the place of their death. They're having to die this nasty death themselves. And, and knowing death is coming and has, has been turning people to Christ for centuries. Listen, church, there's been people for centuries they, waiting on deathbed professions. They, they just get up and, they, and they, they just continue the sin like they've always wanted to do. And they say, oh, I'm fine. I still got my health. I'll wait until I'm on, on my dying breath and then I'll give a deathbed confession and I'll go to, I'll go to heaven. And they, this is, knowing death is coming to your door has caused people to turn for centuries. And, and this is what's going on right here in the Great Tribulation after people know for a fact 
fact that Christ has already called his people home, people are turning to Christ knowing that there's only one last opportunity now to avoid hell and how they believe at that very moment in time at that death will determine their eternal fate. The, the tribulation is to get you to choose you this day whom you will serve because time is up. There's no more chances. So now let's look and see how other new believers on earth will die. It's starting in verse number 12 because he says, I, John, beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth as hair, and the moon became as blood. That word great is the Greek word megas. It's Strong's G3173, meaning great and loud in all dimensions. The whole universe will hear it and feel it. The whole world will shake. I, I, when I gave this at church, I pictured somebody, if you had one of those little snow globes in your hand where you shake it up and you, you see the snow, you can just picture God's great and mighty hand getting the earth and just shaking it like a snow globe. The whole world is going to shake like that. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, that Greek word. Helios is the light of the sun rays. The sun's heat will still be there, but the light appeared as black as sackcloth. It's, that sackcloth is a mourner's garment. There's going to be a lot of mourning going on, and there'll be no light during the day, symbolizing the Father turning his back on Christ at the cross. He's turning his back on sin again. He's not going to let anybody see his light. He's turning just like he did when Jesus Christ took on the sins of the world and God couldn't look upon them. And that moon is blood is Aima. It's figuratively reminding those left on the earth about the atoning blood of Christ and why he died. So you've got the darkness that, Christ, that God turned his back on his own son, but you've got the blood of the moon showing, but there there was some atonement for you. There's still hope for you. As long as there's still breath in your lungs, there's still a chance for you to call that blood, the, that blood that refers to the seat of life, the, the, the mercy seat that Jesus Christ sets in and carried his own blood for our, our eternal sacrifice. There's still a chance for you to receive Christ right now if you'll do it, but the time is running out and God's turned his back. It's time. It's time. It's time. You don't don't have any time left. So look at verse number 13. And the stars of heaven fell. That word fell is the same fell as we'd had in the last episode, talking about the 24 elders falling flat as dead men. They fell, these stars, all the stars in heaven unto the earth, fell to the earth, even as a fig tree caster untimely figs. That's ripe too soon. They get ripe way too soon. And the untimely figs fall off and go straight to the ground. And he says, when she is shaken like a, with a mighty wind. So a mighty wind shakes this fig tree with a bunch of untimely, uh, way too soon ripened figs and just causes them to fall to the ground. By the, the stars of the heaven is just going to fall and come down like light balls of fire, firing into the earth, just slamming and slamming and slamming in the middle of this earthquake and all this stuff's going on. And look at verse number 14, the heavens departed. That word depart from or separate itself from, just like a scroll when it's rolled together. Every mountain and island were moved out of their place. That word heaven right there is, oh, is uh, uh, Uranos. It's Strong's G3772. And it literally means 
the heavens that departed, it means the vaulted expanse of the sky and everything that's visible in it. All the galaxies, the stars, everything around us fell and just departed. It's gone. You can't see any of them anymore. That word uh, moved is the Greek word kineo, Strong's G2795, and it means thrown into commotion and literally put into motion as it was moved out of one place into another. So let's look at verse number 15 and the kings that, that as leaders of the people and the earth, the kings of the earth and great men, the great men as nobles, mayors, governors, etc. Rich men as plusios, it's wealthy and abounding in material resources people and the chief captains are the top ranking military leaders and the mighty men are people that's mighty in wealth and influence, kind of like political leaders of today. And then it says every bondman, any servant devoted to another in disregard of your own interest and every free man, every one free, exempt from restraint and not bound by law or other obligation. All these people hid themselves in the dens in the rocks of the mountains. We're talking about the same mountains that just flipped upside down, turned sideways, shifted from one place to the other. These are the same mountains that's just been jerked up and fell all around the world. And these people are so terrified that they're hiding in these mountains. I want you to think about this for a minute because Jesus is speaking these details to John and telling him to write them down just as they are dictated. And Jesus is calling out the rich. He's calling out the poor, the government leaders, the, the highly influential people, the ones that's, that's slaves, the ones that's free. He could have simply said everybody on the earth, but I believe Jesus is making a point here. I believe Jesus is saying that your money your power, nor position. None of these things matter in the case of this judgment. I have talked to you. I've told you with my word. I've showed you my Bible. It's been written. It's been spoken. It's been preached. And all of your positions, no matter how you've been elected or how much money you got or how you attained it, nothing is going to change the influence because my influence that falls on my word will never change. And you cannot buy your way out of this when you're confronted with the way that I want you to live your life and how your life needs to be conducted. God says everybody's equal when it comes to me and everybody has to follow the same requirements that I have given them. And all of you people that's hunting these holes, you're all going to learn that I'm still king of kings and lord of lords and everybody will worship me and not your possessions, not your positions and, and not your riches and all the things that you have. I'm the only God and I'm the, I'm the one that's going to be left when everything else is destroyed. And we look at verse number 16. And said to the mountains and rocks, these people are speaking to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Hide us from who? Him that sits on the throne, God the Father, and from the wrath of the Lamb, that sacrificed, violently murdered Lamb of God who died in their place. Again, Jesus told us that God the Father sent him and did nothing of his own will, but always did what he heard the Father tell him to do. And these people are crying out for the mountains to fall on them. They're now, right now, recognizing God the Father and the Lamb that died in their place. Why? Because the violent and terrifying earthquake has finally, first time in their life, open their eyes just to how big and powerful, and we're talking about dunamis power, all power included, how powerful Jesus actually is, and they now know for a fact that the things that are happening are from Jesus Christ, and they are desiring to be hidden from his wrath and not saved from it. 
That word hide there is crypto. It's Strong's G2928. It means hide, conceal, that we may not become known. And why are they wanting to hide from Jesus? Because they've heard about a time coming such as this all their lives that they've opted not to believe it to be true or just pushed it in the corner and go, well, it ain't going to happen in my lifetime, so I'll just go on and party up. I'll do what I want to do. They've heard the stories and maybe they thought it might be true. But now, here in verse 17, they opened up and the light has come on because it says here, these are the words that they are believing out of their own mouth here for the great day of his wrath, God's wrath, Jesus' wrath, the Lamb's wrath, for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? That word shall be able, that phrase is one word in the group is dunamahi, it's Strong's G1410 and it means to have the power, the ability, the resource of the state of mind to be capable enough and that word stand is his tame, it's Strong's 2476. It means continue safe and unharmed and be of steadfast mind, possess any quality or ability to sustain life. So for the first time ever in these people's lives, they're finally recognizing the authority of Jesus Christ. They've quit saying his return is a fairy tale. They've stopped denying the wrath of the lamb is real. They, But they are still saying, just hide me from him like Adam and Eve did in the garden, retreating instead of repenting, even though they certainly know that they'll never have the power, the ability, the resources, nor the capable mind, the capable state of mind to remain safe and unharmed nor find any chance of sustaining any quality of life in his presence around him and in this thing that he's pouring out upon this earth. In other words, they're saying, I know that it's over. I know that I'm going to die at the hands of Jesus, but still look what they're saying. There's no form of repenting and asking Jesus to spare them. There's no repenting. I just want to retreat. Hide me from him. Church, this is a bad place for anybody to be. You don't want to be there. Why not turn to Jesus Christ right now before it's too late? Don't go through this thing. Don't be part of it. Don't let this thing sneak up on you while you've got secret sins in your life and while you're holding grudges and, and you've got these things against people that you just don't want to drop your pride and turn it loose. Clean up your mind and your heart today. Get yourself ready for Jesus Christ to come back. Hear his voice when and he cries out, come up here and don't be hung up in this sort of stuff. Look, it ain't over yet. This is just through the seals. There are seven angels going to blow seven trumpets. There's a bunch of woes that's coming. You don't want to be here when these other things happen. You don't want to be here when those things right there we just talked about happen. So turn your hearts to Jesus Christ today and live for him today. Be ready for him today and don't have these things come up in your life. Don't let it sneak up on you to where you have to face this stuff in order to make it to heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I pray that this really touches your heart. I pray that it gets in your mind and changes you and causes you to turn from anything that you're holding. Listen, there's no grudge that's worth it. There's no lie that's worth it. There's there's no, no stiff neck, no hard heart or anything that's worth it. Change now while you have time because he's coming soon. And that soon may be sooner than what you're imagining. Praise God, I think this helped you and I, I pray that it sticks into you and opens your eyes and, and helps you understand we've got a real God in heaven that's gonna be sending his son to cry out to call his people home and we have to be without spot or blemish to get there. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Play, play this over and over again. Let it sink in and let it touch your heart. Praise God. I'll see you on the next one.